Coming up in this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast, we have all the latest news, plus our team previews for the East, and we take a trip back to Coach's Corner and have a look at how players and teams prepare for the season ahead. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Super Passis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me is my friend from across the pond, the Cape and Gable Athletics uh, women's <laughs> uh, tennis team coach, champion, undefeated 2021 season. I don't know how he does it with all the other accolades to his name, but it's Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing? So good to be on the show. I get forward to this baseball stuff. Now tennis is over. I could give my full attention to paces. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, our other resident coach, um, it's uh, my friend uh, Miko Pierhonen. Miko, how are you doing? Good. I mean, it feels really good to have the season so close to getting underway. And uh, I, can, I can sense it when I'm like talking with the people inside the game and uh, like yeah, they're the whole atmosphere is like it's different once again and i can i can feel the certain sensations that we get when the when the season is starting so uh i just really hope that we're going to be able to get it through on time and uh, uh have one of the most memorable seasons that we will we would have had and will have had so i'm i'm sure of that well, I noticed that the weather was um, a lot sunnier and warmer in Finland over the last few weeks than it has been here in the UK. Um, it's been just rain after rain after rain. <laughs> so um, you've certainly got that summer feeling, uh, whereas I don't. I don't have that quite so yet. A um, lot of um, stories in the news actually in the last couple of weeks. Um, bits and bobs coming together. Obviously, we're in that that build up now. Uh, to the season, one of the uh, key things to talk about is the new statistics website. We've been talking about it for a number of months now. It's been on the horizon, and now it's now it's finally here. Um, and as part of that, they have the the live uh, viewing, so you can actually see some live statistics and uh, and things like that during games. What, what do you think of the new service, Ron? Um, it's long overdue. Um... You know, we've talked about it, obviously, on this show in the past about the need for something like this. I've talked to other, you know, other friends of mine who are followers, Finnish friends who are followers of the game. And I think it's going to be transformative. You know, this is that we live in a we live in a world with data. I mean, analytics and so forth are everywhere. And so I think that, you know, Paces is obviously being a bat and ball variant needed something like this for fans and for teams, too, um, but for fans specifically. And so I'm super excited to uh, 
to have this data at our disposal. Really, 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 really. I have been proud of the people who put it together. You know, they could have just ignored it. So I'm glad that it's a thing. Well, it's a, a huge step forwards. And one of the new features I, um, I, I quite like is being able to track the ball um, where the hit is to. Obviously, it's still a work in progress. There's a lot of uh, things they want to build on uh, during the season. Um, some things were not not so well received, um, I understand. But um, ov- overall, it's 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 a great leap forwards. Um, Mika, we've 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 actually seen some new um, statistics categories as well. Um, whereas obviously before it was um, very very limited. Um, talk us through some of those new uh, categories. Well, actually, I would like to. Uh, see the whole, the full scale of things, because I know that it's very much a work in, work in progress still. Because uh, I, I know that this is just a start. And once again, I would like to emphasize the fact that uh, the, the previous system was established in the early 1990s. And like Ron said, that we're talking about long overdue. I don't actually, I don't have any other example from any computer or IT world that would have like lasted for 30 years without, without any changes or so. So we are basically, we are uh, meeting something new and we are creating something new. And, uh, I want to see those new features actually like working and what kind of things they can bring. And I also know that uh, the data analysis program and the people behind it still still think and still believe that we can uh, create a lot more still uh, from from the things that we already have in use. So it's like we can discuss the details once we get uh, uh, the, this prototype working, so to say. But uh, I, I, it's a leap forward and it's the right direction. Absolutely. The, the only thing I can think of that's been doing the same thing for 30 years or so in IT is my dad, who's been in the same job <laughs> up, in, up in Manchester in the north of England. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see this new system and it, it's really good interface. I, I, I quite like it. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how those things can, uh, can be built on. Um, another, um, story in the news was, um, a bit of a shock to, to some people was, um, Jere Dahlstrom, um, continuing his career and heading back to Koskonkorva. Um, obviously last year, um, silver medal. Not what he wanted with uh, KPL, um, but now he's taken up a challenge of going back to Koskan Korva. Um, I held a, a Twitter poll um, this week asking whether people thought it would make any difference uh, him going there, whether that could help them stave off relegation, whether they were likely to be relegated, or even whether they could make it into the top eight. Overwhelmingly, everybody seemed to think that that could be enough just to stave off relegation, but but not top eight, not not relegated. Um, and I'd I'd have to agree with that. You know, um, when I first started putting my predictions together, um, and we'll go onto the team previews uh, for the East later today. Um, but that that was before this news, and now I'm thinking, oh, should I be? Bumping Koskonkorva up a place or or not, 
Uh, but I'm going to stick with with what I've got. Um, w- what do you think of the signing, Miko? Well, I think it makes us makes sense in many ways because, first of all, that's that's the place where he has played most of his like super seasons, and he said in an interview that it's like coming home, and he also has a big milestone coming up, like fifteen hundred runs hit. So it's like, it's one of those. But also in terms of like, if we take a look at Koskan Korova's team, we're going to go deeper into that in in the future sections or so. But it's a young team and they're trying to build a young core. And uh, we all know that Patrick then was probably one of the most important, if not the most important player for his team last season. And now they were very thin on so to say goal scorers and like they and power hitters in in the team and they needed that and even though uh, it it needs to be said that uh Jared Alström, as much as i like him he's an individual athlete inside a team so he's like he has his own mind he has his own mindset he he like it trains in his own way so it's always kind of calculated risk in 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 certain terms but in like that you take him to the you take his to to his home environment and the crowd will love him and he takes a pressure off these younger guys so it's like for me what it does is exactly what your twitter poll said that in my in my in my books they were like not getting to the relegation battle but not far from that but now i think they're safe well they've they've struggled the last couple of years and and i i looked into this in a little more detail in in the article i put on the blog um and you know it's it's one of these things where over the last few years they they've had some real struggles but they've just about survived that relegation battle and it, it's it's the difference of a point here a point there in any given game and you know Dahlstrom can do that for this team he absolutely can and he's got so much experience so much um skill still behind him that Miko quite right as you say he's a he's a leader and and they need somebody like that who can who can take uh take that team forward now that uh, Patrick Walston's gone Ron obviously a former Vimpley man as well um it's going to say 2010 2010 the man of man part of the team that ended this ended the longest terrible dark days in Vimpoli. so that dude is gold in my book no matter what he wants to do i'm down for that guy you know he's not a career Vimpoli guy but that to do what he did be on that 2010 team is super important you know really meaningful and so wish him all the best i think less i have much to add to what you all said i think that obviously losing walston getting it getting a guy a bat a power bat and that lineup's going to be really important to them. I think for a young team, you know, Nico contested this. On a young team, you want a veteran bat, a guy that's won um, on a team like this. And I think that if, if he can, because he wants to be there, it might be a really good thing for those young players to see, not only to see him on the field, but off the field. How does this guy work? How does he train? Motivating those guys in practice and stuff like that. And so if that happens... Maybe you inspire these young guys, and maybe you know I'll, I'll buck the trend and say maybe they can they can be higher than 
just you know staving off relegation. Maybe it's maybe it's fighting for a playoff spot. Do they get in? Probably not. But I think it can be a transformative thing. I don't think it's a low risk move, right? Like it's not going to hurt you. Maybe it doesn't help as much as you think, but I don't think it hurts at all. I think it's a good signing for them. So good for them and good for him. Nothing to disagree with that. Another announcement that's uh, been made recently um, is the uh, Super Monday, the Super Mondays, a harking of the um, football Mondays, you know, the um, uh, the NFL. And um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh, media gimmick. The Ruto are going to focus on one uh, game and there will be only one game uh, played on the Mondays. Big production vo- uh, values, lots of uh, multi-camera angles, analysis. Are we going to see Pesapalo moving into that 21st century? Um, gone are the days of uh, of us having to watch videos on Vimeo, um, Ron, as you know. Is, is this another long overdue move forwards? For I think so. I mean, it was really fun to see the even the previews. If anybody, you know, the um, they did the women's preview um, earlier today or last night, depending on where you are in the world, and uh, and that was fun to even see that into the men's ones upcoming. And and so I think it, all the stuff's great for the game. Like all the stuff's great, great, not just not just for obviously us international fans. There aren't that many of us yet still, but internally inside of Finland to have these things on Rutu, to have these kinds of things, to have these productions, to get kids who maybe know the game but are just interested in other kinds of sports to, to see this, I think is great for the game. I think we really need it now after COVID of the year of not, you know, we had a good season last year, but it was shortened. This season shortened again. We should be playing baseball right now. Games that count. So I think that, uh, I think it can only help the sport. And as teams are getting better at producing, you know, teams are getting better at Twitter, teams are getting better at the video. So now having this sort of coalesce, sorry, I need a word that's not, you're like, what does he say? And then to have this unified um, strategy, media strategy, it's only can only be good things for the for the game. Um, and for obviously for fans, you know, in Finland and outside of it, of course. Well, another interesting um, thing is that uh, usually on Mondays, there's a, a lull in the sporting uh, calendar, and sometimes even on TV. You know, Monday, first day back at work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you think, you know, they, they did this in, in America with the Monday Night Football. They, you know, they've, they, they championed that and they, they've made this whole thing out of it. And, you know, I, you know, I watch Monday Night Football. I'm over here in, in the UK. You know, it's a big thing for, for people all around the world. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that Baspar is going to reach that level necessarily but it, it could be a, a nice little thing to to reach new audiences definitely i definitely agree with you I, I think that you know as fans we've been fans for a long time to go you grew up with the game but for us international fans i think anything you can do to create access every year we know last couple of years on twitter we've seen people who find the game through it through highlights through the super paces uh, twitter account through this show of course and actually, really funny, before this show existed, all we had was sort of, okay, go to Twitter, look at this account, or go to this YouTube, look at this. Okay, you won't know what they're saying, but it's kind of fun to watch. Now they have this podcast they can listen to. You know, you have the Twitter account, we'll tweet some things. Um, being able to have a Monday, a game so you can see during the day, or, you know, like for us, um, I think would be really, really cool. During the week, rather than on the weekends where people are, especially here, because of the time difference, folks will miss things. And so now having a Monday game, that you know is airing 
you know, in the morning for us, but it's later in Finland, would actually be really, really neat um, for being able to expose new people to the game. So I think you're going to see more of those international fans tweeting and going, what is this? I don't understand what this is. So I'm looking forward to that. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're a English language speaker of Paces, Welcome them in. Let them know what's going on because it can't just be me all the time. Uh, <laughs> they're tired of hearing from me. They want to hear from you all too. So definitely do that. I think it's a. I think it's. I think it'll be really exciting to see how it uh, how it all unfolds in a short season. Uh, and Miko, what, what do you think of the uh, the latest announcement? Well, I've I've been following the process that creating this kind of a brand of games being played on Monday. And Persepolo has tried different kinds of moves and brands over the years. And we had like uh, like 15 years ago, we had Friday night games and stuff like that. And uh, they were shown on like cable TV free of charge and something like that. But that was, that was back then we had a sports channel that showed like every kind of sport. But now nowadays it's a different kind of media atmosphere, everything you have to buy a package to watch anything but uh, when we take when we take a look about it uh Manantai, sorry monday monday is usually a day when uh, the like the kids play the oldest juniors play their games and uh, it's also like like you guys said that on on weekend there's so much that you cannot just you cannot get anybody's attention that's that's for sure and and friday is also nowadays it's hard because uh, football is on on the rise in finland we qualify for the euros for the first time and it can be seen like in, in like the popularity of the game but when we take a look at our national football leagues uh, like the like the season dates when they are playing uh from now on until the end of their season in somewhere in late september early october they're gonna only have games on five mondays so they usually play on like friday uh wednesday sunday mostly so it's monday is a good day in that sense too and uh, even if we are able to establish a brand uh, out of this uh, Monday night pesapallo, so it's gonna be a good product even in later years. Okay, this year it can be like harmed a bit because there will be hopefully like some Olympic games and the Euros and stuff like that. But but all in all, I'm I'm more than happy to see that also the TV production will take a leap now because as much as I like the people who are doing those. Uh, uh, like the, those productions and the commentary and stuff like that has gone on but the, actually the tv production has stalled for a decade if i'm honest it hasn't changed a lot now teams are doing good work and the com- and the production company has also stepped up their game and that's uh, very much needed and welcome and uh and yeah, this is a this is a good start, and hopefully we'll get to see some uh, new new ideas. And of course, I hope to have have a one day soon that we would be having a Pesapola game with the English commentary. So that's it. That's something that we've been talking about with some teams. But let's see if it happens. I would be ecstatic if there was an English language commentary game and I can see Ron uh, making the same gestures. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, 
but yeah, you know, the, the, the moves forward in production values is, is you know, it, it's bringing Pespalo up to speed with lots of other sports around the world. When my dad came down last year, sometime in late, well, sorry, early February, so it was all, all before COVID and that, um, I was watching a Holly SM game and I was, was writing up a, a review on my blog. And he was just like, oh, you know, it's all single angle. I was like, yeah, 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 th- th- this is a training game, you know, sort of thing. So, but yeah, you know, it was a bit disappointing. You know, there's not the, the kind of multi angles you usually get in other sports in the NFL or in baseball. You know, they, ha- they have a moment where they'll, they'll speak to players, managers, uh, have somebody down at the pitch side for some analysis down there on the ground. They've got uh, lots of visuals in the studio, et cetera, et cetera. And you just wish, you know, maybe one day we'll move forward like that uh, in Pespalo. But of course, the the real issue here is that um, it's finding the investment into that. Because if you if you want to go and see a Pespalo game, you go to the stadium. But because of COVID, because of all of the restrictions we've had, maybe there's uh, a bit of a move towards improving the media side of things a bit more. Maybe there's a, a, a want to move forwards with that kind of thing. Um, and that sort of segues onto our next um, bit of the news, some bit of positive news, and that's some fans actually returning to uh, the stadiums. Now, I was trying to get my head around exactly how many people are allowed in to certain stadiums at certain points. Um, and it seems more complicated than things are over here in the UK. But Miko, maybe you could make some sense of it for me. Just a short answer. No, I can't. Because <laughs> it's like the, the situation is so unclear to anyone that that's a, that's a massive public discussion over here right now and that's because at this point we are at, at about the like 40 percent of the people population in finland have got their first vaccine but not more than that and like only five or eight percent percent have had uh, both of the vaccines and that's why nowadays all the teams and all the restaurants and all like like in in so many walks of life and these people get told like one week before a month starts that what are the regulations for the upcoming month and those are local restrictions and it's like the the situation can be can be so weird that we're, we're talking about the men's super pesis, for example that I I just took a look at, uh, from my understanding, from 15 teams, there were a couple of teams, for example, who who would be allowed to take six spectators in a game, like a total of six. And then again, like like less restricted area, like North Karelia, where Joensumaila and Kitenpalo are located. And that is uh, one of the most, if not the most relaxed in terms of these rules and for example in Joensuu it's allowed to take spectators but uh, like between groups of people that like for example a family can obviously come together 
and watch the game. But there there needs to be a six foot six foot distance between them and the next spectator. Jones Humaila would be the team that could take maybe I don't know what's the situation today, but I, I read it on the newspaper that maybe they they could take like a half of their capacity at right now, which would mean for uh for Rio and Somaila that it would be something like fifteen hundred between fifteen hundred and two thousand. And then we have teams who can take six. So it's like uh it's been it's been ridiculous because we have had like football games in in stadiums that can that can hold like ten thousand people, and they they can take six to the whole stadium, and and meanwhile all the restaurants can stay open, for example. So in, in some football games, what they have done is that actually in the beginning of the games. Uh, as a protest for this, they have actually introduced the spectators to the players uh, b- before the games. But uh, I don't know. Uh, th- these are the restrictions now. And my understanding is that the next time they will uh, do anything about this restriction will be one week before July. So it's like we are living very uncertain times. But the good news is that the COVID, COVID situation is continuing to ease up like significantly uh, towards the summer. So we're hopeful about it, but uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we would see some uh, like rearranging the fixtures in the early parts of the season. But uh, let's hope for the best. Well, I'd, I'd heard mention of um, possibly some of the fixtures being rearranged to allow... Uh, some of the uh, teams who would only be allowed to very, very small numbers uh, in the stands to maybe have their home games slightly later on in the season in the hope that they, they'd be able to have more. Um, but I also heard, um, uh, rather jokingly, somebody suggest, well, why not turn the stadium into a massive restaurant um, with the game as a halftime show? <laughs> yeah. I mean- what do you think of that, I? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I think that it says it tells everything there is to know about this, uh, like the climate that we have around this topic right now uh, in in Finland. That everybody's fed up with the restrictions because they don't make any sense, to be honest. Like in those terms, but uh, I mean, there are one of the ironies of these things. Uh, for me, is that in with the current restrictions that I know of in men's purposes, basically the only teams who could financially be able to play without having spectators in the stadium, even for a short period of time, they are the teams that can actually take those spectators. So it's like uh, there's a lot of teams who rely on that, that it's like 20-30% of their revenue is, uh, comes from the spectators' ticket sales and what people spend at the stadium. And uh, they're, they're struggling to make ends meet even if they could have capacity crowds. So it's, it's not going to be easy. And uh, I know that it's been on the table to start the season in the beginning of July. 
But as of now, we are preparing to start the season next week as planned. And I really hope that it happens. Indeed. And uh, I know, Ron, uh, I'm sure you speak for um, yourself as well, that you know you, you want this season to start, but uh, start safely um, as well. And we all hope that uh, there'll be some packed stadiums uh, soon. So I think that will wrap up our news section of uh, the podcast and indeed the first section entirely. So um, we'll take a short break and then we'll be back with our team previews for the East. Okay, uh, welcome back. Um, We're now going to be uh, previewing the teams in the east. So that's uh, Yonsu, IPV, Silnyarvi, and Kite. Now, last uh, podcast, we uh, looked at the south. We um, had a bit of a chat about some of the um, moves and um, the ranks for the teams, where we think they'll finish, but also where they finished last time. Since the last podcast, I realised I made an error. So I'm going to hold my hands up here. Misread some of my notes. Hervinka finished sixth last year and not seventh. So I just want to apologise for that that slip uh, in the last podcast. Um, but going through uh, the teams in the East, um, we'll talk first about Joensu. Now, they finished first in the uh, regular season last year. Um, but rather disappointingly, um, they they didn't uh, make the championship. They didn't even finish the season with a medal. They had an exceptional run of form during the season, uh, going undefeated for all, uh, a good number of uh, weeks. Um, since then, of course, they lost uh, Juha Putimaki and Lauri Kivinen. Uh, but in their place... Uh, they've signed uh, Vili Valiaho and Patrick Valston. Um, I know we've spoken a couple of times on, on this podcast about um, how exciting those two signings are. But Mikko, what do you think Yonsu's chances are this year? Well, they, it's, it's just boring to say this, but I, I think that they are one of the top five and what uh, whatever... Will be the end result. We'll see. But the more more important thing is that they have been able to create the kind of a uh, structure within the organization uh, within the last last ten years or so that in like it, it's a popular opinion that they have like they have fast tracked their way to be the number one organization in the in the sport these days even surpassed like a giant like Sotkamo or they are in the they are on level terms with them and uh, what, what actually pleases me with any organization who builds their team and builds the structure so that uh, they can say that we are playing for the championship each year but it's like it's not the end of the world even if we are like if we lose in the quarterfinals every once in a while but if we just reach the top four we're basically good uh, with like financially and stuff like that 
and there's uh, also a couple of real real like powerhouse persons uh, behind the team behind the organization these days they they can like uh, simultaneously they can buy so to say buy players like we have been talking about that it's a free agency market in this game but but they can also these days like Sotkamo Yumu they can say that we're not go- gonna go there if if a player is gonna like try to get uh, like a 30-40% rise to their wages so they can say that we're gonna not we're not going to enter that competition and they're uh, one of the key things is that they they are getting new players uh, to the starting nine on the outfield nine players from their own new system and they have actually put a lot of effort into that and uh, one of the uh, one of the key things will be that can they get one of their own youth players, Konsta Kettunen, Konsta Pironen, and uh, Samuel Tirkkonen, who's born in 2003, who's like immensely talented young young guy, who's not afraid to do anything like on the, on the pitch. Joensu uh, has a fighting chance to even be the number one in uh, both like the regular season and at the end of the season. But the one thing that they cannot sustain are injuries because they were supposed to get Marcos Tuica, who would have been like a huge, huge signing for them on the outfield and also helped to hit some like in terms of batting. But uh, it, like we know, that team will not... Uh, lose games be- for like the lack of runs scored. They have they have Walsden and they have uh, Alexi Rautian, and so those guys can do that. But uh, it, I think that if if we, for example, if we compare them to Vimpeli, uh, that's uh, we we are in a situation where uh, you have twelve guys in the lineup. But Joensuus players 14 and 15 are significantly worse than Wimpelis players 14, 15, 16 and even 17. So they don't have that kind of a depth in the team. But uh, they they have a fighting chance and new players have brought new energy and... Uh, it's a it's a quality organization, quality team. Ville Valiaha looks good, energetic right now, and uh, it's like you don't want to count them out, but it, they are just one of the big five for me. They certainly are one of the teams that players really will want to play for. the The setup there looks fantastic, um, and you know they've they've got that uh, uh, that mindset to to keep. Uh, in that top four, top five. I was watching the uh, Yonsu Sotkamo game the other day, and wow, <laughs> um, Yonsu really um, put Sotkamo to the sword. I don't know if you uh, managed to catch that game, Ron, or not. Um, well, Valiaho looked um, spectacular, and they actually blanked Sotkamo in the end, so they walked away with uh, with nothing, no runs, no anything. Um, obviously, it's just a training game pre-season, but uh, it, it, it really had uh, a lot of spirit uh, to a lot of energy. Um, 
what do you make of Yonsu coming into 2021? They're very different uh, features in the team to 2020 and certainly uh, the championship years before it. Uh, where do you make them up? I think I think that the thing about when you turn over a team like that, you turn over a championship team, you bring in some new parts, um, but like like Ico said, still reload and, and, and position yourselves as, as one of the, you know, as the sort of the new goal standard, right? I mean, to me, like, this is maybe a bad metaphor, but to me it's like, is, is, is Yoma like Leicester City? Well, you know, go from like, oh, like a team you would never think of to a team now where you're like, they're just, you expect them. You expect them every year to be in that class of, of top teams, right? Um, and so the question, I think, for an early season, a short season, in contrast to our conversations about this last year is, is can they get a hot start, right? Can they put the league on notice? Can those young players get a hot start? Can those veterans um, set the tone for the season? Because I think that, again, in a shorter season than normal with more compressed games or whatever else, it can be really easy to sort of to, to, to either go on a run the wrong way or the right way. Bimbley started off that way last year, kind of started off a little slow, and then they went hot, really hot, right? And it kind of carried them all the way to the postseason, right? Um, so I think that's going to be the real challenge. I mean, I think there's no way to count that team out. Um, again, with the, with what they've been able to do um, last season was was a wild year, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out. So I'm excited to see uh, how it starts for them and whether you can translate what they're doing now into actual gains as as the, when they when they, when there's actual actual points on the board, right? When there are points on the line. Yeah, it's just. Uh... <clears throat> One thing that I want to mention when we talk about this team and the, like what it what is actually built on, so that now that they have been able to get one of the most prominent businessmen, not just in the area but like in the whole country, to get behind the team also that he he's the person whose whose brand is the sole sponsor in their shirt in their jersey so they don't have any other sponsors it, it's it's just one and he he's a person that now that a, a group of most prominent business people wrote a public letter to our government and he's he's over there within like a top 15 of this country and the, he's one of the people behind this organization and now that they were talking about how many spectators we can take in, uh, the the new uh, CEO of the uh, Superpasses team just casually mentioned that, uh, yeah, we're going to be having a bit of a tough time because uh, we've sold like uh, 950 season tickets. So if they will break like uh, a thousand season ticket, which, which is not internationally a big figure, but in this sport, it's like they're, they're, they're light years ahead of most of the league. Like uh, otherwise, uh, a thousand sold t- season tickets is something that I've never heard of in Pesapalo. Never ever. So they are like the, as an organization, they are still improving, but, uh, what what it's a, uh, what's also good is that it doesn't mean anything on the field as itself. Well, we'll uh, move on to um, predictions now for Yonsu. Um I have them finishing second in the regular season. I decided to go out on a bit of a limb, and I think they actually might win the championship this year. Something something that makes me feel like maybe they maybe they will do it. Um, Ron, where, where 
do you have Yoinsu? Third in regular season. Third in regular season and a bronze. Mika? Well, I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns because I've all already publicly said that they will uh, win the regular season and be one of the three teams uh, like uh, Sotkamo, Joensu and Bimperi will be the top three at the end of the season and uh, I, that's not the order that I, I don't know about the order but those three teams are, are the ones for me yeah, I've I've decided to be a bit bold. I've I've got a plan. <laughs> I have an idea how I think it'll all come off, and it probably won't. But there we are. Um, so we'll we'll move on then from from Yonsu, um to uh, IPV. Now I I did a piece on on the blog recently um, about their woes last year because it, it seemed to me going into the season they were in a prime spot to break that top eight. And in fact, I um, I remember I had a, a, a Twitter poll um, asking uh, people whether they felt that it would be IPV or Kite who would break the, the top eight. And most people thought that IPV would, would get it. Um, they very sadly seemed to fall apart last year and, and finished in ninth place. Um, and since then, they've lost uh, Thomas Yusila. Uh, Sami Partanen, Yusulatu, and uh, Temo Nurmio. Um, th- and I-, I can't see any um, big names coming to replace any of those players. So you do wonder where the hits are going to come from, where the runs are going to come from. Um, because when you look at the statistics last year, they had a, a number of um, players in the top 10 for runs scored, for successful hits, you know, successfully moving the point runner, um, and for runs. Um, where are the runs going to come from this year, Mikko? Well, Juha Toivola played this, like his best season ever last season. But uh, I think the long story short, I've been just blabbing about everything over here once again. So I would just say that the names that you mentioned even though they have young promising guys coming through their ranks and they made signings, guys who will play their best seasons like within the next two or three years. But if they couldn't make the playoffs when they had Sami Partanen, Tuomas Jussila, Juuso Lattu and Teemu Nurmia in their ranks, how are they going to do it now? No way. I, I think that for them it's like... Uh, uh, they are. They have absolutely no business to enter the playoff competition, and uh, with with a bit of bad luck or something like that, uh, a losing streak, they may even find themselves in the relegation dogfight. So that's that's how it is for me. Well, it certainly seems that a lot of their moves in the off season were um, designed to look. To building up those younger players for for seasons to come, and and really, twenty twenty one isn't going to do much for them. Um, do you get that sense as well, Ron? Yeah, I'm just looking actually looking at their their stats from the last season because I was kind of curious. I didn't spend a lot of time looking at this team, so I didn't really know much about other than the, obviously the big names you mentioned. Who else is on this team and who was left? 
it's a lot of firepower they lost. I mean, it's a lot of runs, a lot of RBIs, a lot of <laughs> just this lot of top hits. Like that's a tough deal. So yeah, it's going to be hard for me to imagine. I will say one positive thing. I, I always always caution against saying bad things about any team because I don't want anybody <laughs> people to be like an American guy. You don't even know what you're talking about. But um, I will say that we saw we saw it with uh, Sakamo last year in the playoffs, but. Who are the young guys that are going to step up and emerge? There's always somebody. There's always somebody. And so I'm really curious now that these guys, it's 13 now, who's going to be the guy among these, these young guys that played last season who are left, who are going to step it up? Again, I don't think it's anybody that's going to help them like win this season necessarily, but guys that we can now have our eye on. And so you know, I won't call anybody out. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but it's too small a sport for that. But I'm excited to see. Who will be talking about in the next, you know, in our podcast next month and a month after who will be talking about on this team? There'll be somebody, but I don't think there's enough from what they have left to enter the playoff conversation at all. They actually have some interesting uh, young players. I, I really have to say that because, uh, like, as a first first baseman and uh, Juho Keinanen, who used to play for me in Puyon Pesis like four four years ago, he's a, he's in he's a huge talent. Uh, Mitre Pesonen also who plays alongside him. Those are young guys in their twenties. And uh, but but one of the most interesting things in that team that we discussed in the Finnish podcast also is that basically they have three pitchers available for them out of which out of whom it's like. Uh, uh, it's so even as a contest. They are all like they are also guys in their twenties, and who knows what will happen? Who will emerge as the number one? But it's a valid question to ask that who who is actually their starting pitcher? And those things can obviously have a big factor to throughout the season. But uh, but it feels like that they went all in with with the signings of Yusula and Paratanen and so on. They didn't get the result and now they need to take a step back and just take a breath and like recover and come back with a like a new plan. So that's not not the not as interesting as they were last year. Yeah, I I I'd seen uh, Jorn uh, Sikia had um, moved from being one of their pitchers to, um, I can't remember whether they said it was the outfield or not, Um, but uh, certainly taking a step away from the plate, as it were, uh, to focus more on other aspects of his game. So there's there's one name to kind of cross off the list as a potential pitcher for this year. Unless, of course, you know, uh, injuries dictate um, and they need to call him up. We'll move on to our predictions then. Last year, as I say, they finished ninth. Uh, this year, I have them finishing in 11th. I think that they'll do okay, but they certainly won't be in the fight for uh, the top eight. Um, Ron, where do you think they'll finish? Oh, boy. Um, as I look at this lineup, it's interesting to me. I really am, I really think that it could be interesting to that that you know, someone's going to surprise us just like last year. But that said, I say I would say twelfth. Um, I have a hard time imagining that, that they can, like you said, losing that losing that many losing that many top hits. That's a lot of hits. I'm looking at this. That's like four hundred hits they lost. That's intense. That's intense. 
Miko, where do you think they'll finish? I have them on 12th in my in my preseason rankings and uh it's a it's a coin flip between them and the other teams in the relegation places because the the team who finishes uh, as the team number 13 in the regular season also needs to uh play for their place in the next year's super so it's it's really going to be close well, the next team uh, we'll talk about um, had a reversal of uh, fortunes to IPV last year, and that was Kid Day. Uh, a lot of people wrote them off um, in the preseason in 2020, didn't, didn't feel they were likely to, to make much of an impact. Um, but actually, they became one of the great success stories last year and finished in, in fifth. Um now you add to that the fact that Sami Partonen has uh, signed for them again um, and Yusolato as, as well. So um, add those into the mix. And, and one of the, um, the great things about uh, Kite last year was um, the, the two pitchers that they, they used regularly, um, Vile Lyoko and Yase uh, Eskalinen. Um, they both did an outstanding job. And it's going to be really interesting to see now with a bit more firepower how they'll cope in the season. I mean, I remember one of the teams that Yonsu really struggled with throughout the regular season was their local rivals, Kite. Um, Miko, how do you see that playing out for them this year? Well, this is a team that I'm, I'm always more than happy to talk about, and I, I could talk about this team for hours. I mean, I really could. And I, I'm a huge fan of this team, and I'm, I'm openly admitting it here and now. Because this is uh, the core of the players is basically, they formed a, a huge youth championship team uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, some of those players, for example, came to play for Joensu Maila. They even won the cha- championship, like Hannes Beckinen did, uh, Joni Lehikonen did. But they didn't feel at home in those kind of like more, uh, how to say, advanced. In, in the other kind of like atmosphere and the way of thinking about the game and so on. They, they are more like natural players. They don't want it to things to get too tactical and complicated. They just want to play with their gut feeling, with having the solid platform behind it, but then they are just having fun with their friends. That's that's how it is. And those, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really a big fan of this team. And I'm I'm super happy to see that Jesse Escalina has been able able to overcome the injury problems that he had. Uh, even he's he turns twenty four this year, but he had significant injury problems earlier on in uh, on his career, and easily one of the top five most talented pitchers that I've seen play. Uh, against my teams in any youth games or on any level so now they have they have more uh they are they are more experienced themselves now they got Sami Paratanen who's like a local icon back within their ranks and he's a 
is a leader among those uh, guys, and they have even been able to produce leaders from within their their own ranks. Now they are not this surprise package anymore, and it's gonna be interesting to see how it pans out for them. But once they get once they get their systems going, there's no team in the league that would have like have it easy with them, and especially in terms of stopping them with the firepower that they have now. But uh, also there's the same thing that I spoke about when I, when I was talking about Joensu, that this team still cannot handle basically any injuries. And uh, we all think that now, okay, they had a great season. They are young guys. Now they are better. And now they will challenge the top like four or if we can count Monte like with the star signings top five and that they will challenge them or even be in the top five and and I hope that they will but there's also the thing that last year things went so well for them and the young guys recovered so fast in the like when they were playing three four games in a week it makes a big difference if you're 20 or 35 in terms of recovery and they they could like play on a high level throughout the season but still we spoke about this with you guys when they when we when we were starting the playoff series with uh between Kite and Kobola that even though they were the surprise package and they were the underdog and it was like uh they had nothing but like they they had nothing to lose and so on and so on. This is just a cliche. I mean, it's not a given that they will get the chance this year. And I, I hope to see a team like that to be there because it's like, it is like Vimpeli. Those kinds of places are the, they, they, they are a core of this sport still. And, the, the atmosphere on their new stadium, their renovated stadium, is something to behold when they when they get teams like Joensu and Tampere come there. It's like, uh, it is the same kind of a experience as going to Sarikenta to play. Those are the places that I think that uh, you need to experience uh, once, even once in a lifetime. But uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a bit biased because most of my family come from that area. That's where I grew up watching the games because Joensu Maila played on a four tire uh, when I started to play Pesapallo. Tite was the place where we went to watch games with my dad all the time, and I was I'm I've been a season ticket holder since 1986. So so it's like uh, they they they're my youth team even though I'm been playing for Johan Sumaila for 25 years. So I really hope they do well, but uh, it's still, I just uh, I just hope they are healthy when the playoffs start. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, there's a certain magic um, around Kite and, and, you know, that really comes across uh, in the people you talk to. And when you watch the games, um, and yes, uh, last year was no exception uh, to that in an anniversary year it was um uh 30 years and they you know they really uh, ran with that um ron do you, do you see them 
uh, breaking that uh, top five again this year? Or? It's funny because, I again, another team that I hadn't spent a ton of time thinking much about, but in looking at their stuff before this call, you know, I think having success, having had success last season, adding a guy like Partman, 16-time All-Star, you know, 24 years in the league, um, older, but, but I mean, you know, basically like what Kuvala did last year in terms of being the sort of the upstart team, if you will, I think it, it could, they could do this season. Um, you know, I, I expect as much chaos this season as we had last year. And so, um, again, what does that early season look like? How do they maintain it? If they can, they, they start off hot, they start off average, those young guys, um, prove themselves. Um, I think a schedule of the season would be more favorable than last year's schedule with sort of the weirdness that we had with all the sort of regional scheduling and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to see how they jump out of the shoot. But to me, we'll get to the predictions and I'll say I'll say what I think. But I've got a I've got a bit of a bit of a bit of a surprise thought with this one. Well, let's uh, let let's go straight there, Miko. Um, where do you have them? I'm going to be boring here. I'm just saying that they will finish sixth in the regular season. And uh, then uh, in, in the, in the quarterfinals, they, they will not get through. Well, Miko, um, we've, we've shared predictions uh, on the number of these things. And this is one of those occasions. I've been boring with this one. I've said, I think they will be sixth. I think Munster will have uh, overtaken them in, uh, into the top five. Um, I just don't, I just don't see them breaking that 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 top five this year. Um, and again, in the first round of the playoffs, uh, as strong as they may be, uh, the other teams who are in in the top uh, four will will beat them. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's a likelihood. I, I think, um, Ron, any difference on that? Um, I'm also picking them sixth, but I'm picking them being the final. It's going to be an upset this season. <laughs> Someone's going to pick them thinking that they're not as good. They're going to pick them. They're going to get upset. That model's going to work. And then they're going to run all the way to the final, and then they're going to lose in the final to who knows who. That's my pick. That's it. Hold me to it. <laughs> yeah, it's just one thing that I want to add uh, about this organization and the, the team that they'll have been able to build and are building is that their last medal was their actually the latest championship back in 2005 this this is not a bold prediction it's just it it's my gut feeling that 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 medal will not turn 20 years old before they get some kind of a silverware for that because if that core sticks together in the next two or three years, I see them as a serious championship contender. And and believe me, this is something that uh, I, I spoke about with one of the true game legends of the game and uh, my my youth hero, Basi Pirin, and I think some something like 16-time All-Star player and uh, an abs- absolute gentleman. We did uh, this radio bit together, a season preview, like five, six years ago. And he put it so well that there will only be like real rivalry between Joensu and Kite when they meet in the playoffs. And I, it's, if there's, if there's one thing that I can actually hope for this season, it would be that 
that they would meet in the playoffs. That would be, for me, that would be the playoff series of my lifetime. Well, of course, if they do meet in the playoffs, all bets are off uh, because yeah. they, could, they could easily overturn that series. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. They can. And uh, But that would, like, uh, yeah, that would be amazing. And the final uh, team we have in our uh, trip out east um, is Silinjarvi. Now, they finished rock bottom of the table last year, despite some rather spirited efforts in some of their games. Um, but they just didn't have the level of uh, uh, skills and players that they needed to really challenge uh, some of the teams ahead of them. Um, I don't see much change in them this year. I know they've, they've um, uh, some of their players have moved on. Uh, and they've had some uh, some players come in from Urca Spes's uh, teams, um, but quite frankly, I I think they're still going to be uh, at the very bottom end of that table. There's nothing really that that is exciting me uh, about that side coming into this season. Um, Ron, do, do you think anything different? I don't. I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is not a whole lot here. Um, they are fun to watch. Um, Sometimes, sometimes, and um, as as those teams can be, uh, but I, I don't know. That given given what we've we've talked about so much of the league and all the changes that are happening at the top of the table, I think at a certain point it just gets to be about math. And of course, last year the threat of relegation was off, but that's very much here um, this year. So it, it, it's going to be tough for them to to keep their heads above the water. Um, Miko, do, do you have any thoughts on Silinjarvi? Well, there's a couple of bright spots in the team. The pitcher there, Mukinona, and he can he he can carry his water. I mean, that's like uh, he can he can he, he's a super pitcher easily, and he's a good player. Uh, Samu Vainikainen is also a good super player. Uh, Matthias Hanninen is like a former wonder kid who turns 25 this year and it's like he still is able to be a player who could even play a significant role in a playoff team, even in a championship team. Uh, one one day if he's able to measure out his whole potential. But all in all, I think that they are... Uh, they are, they are just fighting for their future as an organization. And uh, the the trend is downwards. And uh, it's like... Uh, I think that one thing speaks volumes about the team is that if we take a look at their total numbers of runs batted throughout their career, not like in, in a single season... There's not a single player in that whole team who would have hit 40 runs in their career. We're not talking about a season, but their career. So uh, they will fight with everything they've got and uh, they will get an odd win here and there. But for me, they are dead last and that's it. Well, I, I think... Um... It's going to come as no surprise. Moving on to the uh, predictions, uh, I have them finishing dead last, and, and I think they will, very sadly, be relegated uh, at the end of the year. Um, Miko, you, you, you've obviously said they're going to finish last. Uh, Ron, anything different? No. 
Well, seems a rather sad note to finish our trip out east. Um, but that's that. That's our predictions for um, and previews for the east. Um, obviously, picking up the pace for uh, the season in the next podcast, we will cover the remainder of the teams. So we're going to uh, go back to back on a very long road trip uh, for the north and then the west. Uh, but that'll do it for uh, this part of the podcast. Um, coming up next, we're taking a trip back to Coach's Corner and seeing how teams prepare for the season ahead, as well as some uh, ideas for training exercises uh, for players. Okay, uh, welcome back. Um, just before the break, we were going through all of our previews and how we think the seasons themselves will play out. But before we get to the season, there's always that build-up. There's always that training regime uh, that uh, players go through. And even during the season, uh, the type of exercises they do to hone their skills uh, as well. Uh, so here we are back at uh, Coach's Corner and uh, Miko, you're going to take us through some of the ways in which uh, players and teams actually prepare for the season. Um, so, yeah, over to you. Thanks. Uh, I think that there's a couple of things that we need to take into consideration when we're talking about the preparation. And uh, one of the main things is obviously that our, our preseason is the longest in the world, probably, because uh, for a lot of the teams, the games end in the like late parts of August. And if, if you get to the semifinals and the finals and so on, uh, your season ends in late September. And from late September, for example, now the, there's obviously these weird, weird seasons like the COVID, you know, COVID hit seasons that start in June. But norm even normally we would start the games in like uh, middle of of May or so. So so we're talking about a preseason that lasts uh, eight months. So <laughs> so you can you can basically change your whole life in that time span. But okay, uh, and and the other thing that we need to take into consideration that this is a this is a very explosive sport. And the analysis of this game is that you need to be able to produce a significant amount of power in a short time window and uh, do that a couple of hundred times uh, inside the same game due to the vertical pitch and due to the bats, uh, due to the balls that go actually go to the outfield. So it's like uh, the, the, the analysis that we need to... Uh, build our training on is basically a combination of uh, like uh, physical power that needs to be transferred into into this game and uh, the, for that we have a lot of uh, different kinds of uh, training methods but uh, they they have also become a lot more professional throughout the year obviously 
but we we use still we use a lot of things like uh, uh, for example Olympic lifts weightlifting um, medicine ball throwing uh, like different kinds of jumps and uh, leaps and changes of direction and 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 all that and so obviously taking care of the player's shoulders and uh, so it's like function functional training kind of a pattern that that will build in uh, throughout the training season but still all the time we need to also build and keep up the skill because this is a skill sport and uh, you need to be able to handle a significant amount of skills uh, obviously depending on where you play uh, on, on the field or what's your what's your role in the team but that that combination that combination makes it really interesting in terms of uh, like from the coach's perspective because you're you I, I don't think that there's any sport where the coach would say that my my work is perfect and finished now. But it, especially in Pasapalo, it feels like it actually is never ending because there's so much you need to actually work on. And uh, of course, the closer we get to the season, the more the teams will have... Uh, like practices together as a team and go through team tactics, uh, of course. But and we need to also take into consideration that still very few teams have the facilities and uh, throughout the winter to e- even actually practice as a team that they would have a full pitch on their disposal when they practice. So that's like. Some teams have that. Some of the teams have that kind of an advantage, and uh, it's uh, sometimes it can be a blessing. Sometimes it can be a bit of a like a time waster if you, if you like uh, use way too much time on that. But for example, what what we have seen over the last three four years, uh, the players change their places, uh, even. Even in the middle of like the the three strikes that the batter have there at their disposal, and that that had that was developed in like over a year and a half for Johansson Myla using those facilities that they had indoors and outdoors. But now that we're going to this stage that the season is starting. Now, of course, there's been plenty of time to get like rid of injuries, to get the players healthy, up and running, and like performing on a high level. And now, the the most challenging part obviously starts also from the training perspective because uh, the biggest the biggest differences in terms of like training and the and the end result that you're gonna get from your season they they have come from how well you are able to maintain or even improve your levels throughout the season and now when the schedule is so packed it's it's hard to have uh, other kinds of practices than like recovery kind of 
practices, but but you still you still can do that, and uh, the top teams are able to give the odd player like give players an odd rest here and there, especially those ones who who have a lot of running responsibilities and so on. But uh, but still, the top teams are usually also in a situation where they can use some parts of the season where they are not necessarily meeting their like the most their most important opponents that they consider the most important opponents they can have a bit a bit of a like a harder training session here and there if they are playing against a team that is significantly weaker than them for example and uh but it's like it each year it's different and it's a bit of a how should i put it there's so many things so many factors to put together but i always emphasize the fact that the training should include some kind of a like decision making aspect that the player needs to be young players experienced players no matter what they need to make the same kind of decisions that they also will have to make in the games. So it's not just about like, uh, yeah, I was just talking about this uh, once again with a couple of coaches that back in the day, what I, what I discovered, what I think that I did as a player way too much was that me and some of the teams that I played in, we, we practiced a lot of batting, we practiced a lot of running, and we practiced a lot of outfield playing. But we didn't practice a lot of doing those together. So it's like we, we still have to remember that this is not like a competition of those three individual sports. This is a, this is a game. This is a game where a lot of things happen and it, it, the action is constant. And uh, now also the requirements of your cognitive skills, they, they have gone through the roof over the last uh, 10, 15 years. There's so many things that you need to be able to master in, so, in such a short period of time that you need to practice that constantly. And that's like... Uh, I'm I'm excited to see that because that's one of the things that I'm fascinated about in general to see, like that how how do different athletes practice that and I watch the examples of them doing those and I believe that that is the future of like also in this sport and in and in other sports if you are good at those uh, you can build the physical part of things rather easily if you have any kind of talent. Uh, and even if you don't have talent, you just uh, stay healthy and follow the training regime and just put in the effort and live, live the life of a top athlete. And uh, you're going to get there. That's, that's not an issue. But to be able to play the game and to be able to observe everything you need to observe on the field, that's the, uh, that's the most important thing for me. Well, some of the points you, you raise are, are, are really interesting. Um, obviously, we, we've talked a lot about the similarities between the NFL and, and Pespalo in terms of the, 
the gameplays and strategy um, aspects. Um, and in the NFL, all the practice that they do, they, they do a lot of, of drills and real situations and things like that. And certainly having real game situations as part of the, the practice and training regime is uh, is important for Pes Polo. But like like you say, you know, during the winter months, that, that just isn't possible for a lot of teams who, who don't have access to those facilities. What what kind of things do do players uh, do to try and prepare themselves mentally for that season? You know, it's, it's such a long wait, and certainly at the moment, um, what what kind of things uh, can a player do to really focus on that? Well, I think that throughout most of the preseason uh, or the off season, it's like the. The usual pattern is that they take their mind and their pod- body off the the game when the season ends, and they like uh, before the winter starts in Finland, and even when it has just started, they do different kinds of outdoor activities like long hiking and and, and cross country skiing and stuff like that, just to give different kind and increase the stamina and of course because in this kind of rhythm, so so many games in such such a short period of time, uh, you have your stamina levels need to be up there because uh, that that improves your capability of recovering, but uh, then you start to follow the cycle of your team and your like nowadays the programs for the athletes are uh, fortunately becoming more and more individual especially for is uh, because for for most of the teams they don't have all the players at their disposal at all times but they can be like uh they can go to university on on a different city or they can work in a different city or something like that and then they just gather together once or twice a month as a team so it's a semi-professional sport so it's like the training is individual anyway so the routines are so different and uh, like 95% of the players have day jobs so it's like they they go to work and after after work they go to practice that that's about it and uh, so it's there's not just one way to put it so it's uh, it's very individual and and the, in terms of the mindset I I think that last year and this year it's been a it's been very different because you can also train outdoors for about a month into kind of circumstances that really resemble. Uh, finish summer so it's like that, that that that's not usual that that kind of thing happens but like last year uh, the most important thing mentally is for everyone to uh, know that they are actually able just to go there and play the game so it's uh, we have seen it now that the spectators have come back to stadiums and uh it, like I just over the weekend I watched uh, football from UK and I watched some ice hockey games and some basketball games from uh, from USA. We can never ever compare these two things: playing without spectators and having the fans on the stands. So it's like uh, that's the most 
for me, that's the biggest thing mentally for the players. That after eight months, you get to play in, in front of the fans. So, so for me, it was like, uh, as a player, I, I always felt that it, it was just so fun to think that I get to be a performing artist in front of the crowd again to do the thing that I love to do and just let it all go. So it's like, I did all kinds of, obviously I studied psychology. So I, I, I spent a lot of time on like, uh, um, mental training and those kinds of routines and trying to pick, pick up some things that would be useful for me. But, uh, it's, it's an individual thing. Uh, some people, some players do this, uh, do these things these days. But, uh, what I've also discovered is that this game is really played through your confidence levels. And that is something that I, I have coached some of the very best players of this game. And to name a few, like Thomas Jussula, uh, Alexei Rautian, and those like Joensumala players uh, back, back in the day. And uh, if their, and their training was like, it was so simple and it was so, so there was, no, there were no gimmicks or anything like that. It was like, just repeat and repeat and repeat. Do your routines. Do it, do, do it so much that it becomes a habit. And when they did that, after they did that, those kind of things that my younger players were like frustrated and they got disoriented and stuff like that when they tried to like just do the same thing all over again. But that's how they got their confidence levels. And when they when they go to the game, that's the thing that they need. That they 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 have their confidence levels. So it's like it plays an enormous part in this sport. Well, I think that'll just about uh, wrap it up for this episode of the uh, podcast. Um, I want to uh, thank my uh, co-hosts, uh, Ron Bronson. Always good to do the show. Always good to see you all. And uh, Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you so much. And uh, let's hope that the next time we speak, we get to... Uh, next time we do this podcast, we get to speak about the games. Absolutely. Fingers crossed, the wait is almost over. Um, but for this podcast, um, that'll just about do it. Uh, I'm your host, Ian Alba. Uh, if you want to know more uh, about me or about the things we do, um, follow us on Twitter, that's at SuperPessisR, or you can visit my blog and uh, check out some of the articles, uh, some of the things I've talked about uh, here today. And that's superpessisroundup.blogspot.com. Um, but we'll see you soon. If you've got something that's hidden far away Don't be afraid, just come and run away with